comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download at www.audibletrial.com slash outnowpodcast. Over 100,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. That's www.audibletrial.com slash outnowpodcast. This week on Out Now with Aaron and Abe, we're talking about Godzilla. Oh, Aaron, I just got back from Taiwan. If I had seen Godzilla in Taiwan, I could have talked to you from the future. Sometimes things are just left better in the present. Wait a minute, I forgot my introduction. We are now recording, and this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and returning is... Abe! Ni hao! Out Now is a film podcast with Abe and I discussing new movies weekly. We have fun covering various movie topics with a main, mostly spoiler-free to review, sandwiched right in the middle. This is episode 151. That's, uh, that's like a type of alcohol. Proof. <laughs> proof of alcohol. Proof of alcohol. More, right. more of our, our first episode following our 150th episode spectacular. And I don't know a better way to bring in the next 150 episodes than starting off with Godzilla. The new take on the famed monster, king of the monsters, as some would say, Godzilla. King of the monsters is probably correct. I mean, that guy's pretty ancient. <laughs> and joining us to discuss Godzilla, we have author of Who Won? An Irreverent Look at the Oscars. He's battled 300-foot-tall radioactive Oscar statues to be here. It's Robert James. Hello, everybody. And from Just Seen It, he brushes his teeth five times a day to battle his atomic breath. It's Aaron Fink. No, it, it's like five times a day. No, that's not true. It's like seven times a day. You're right. You're right. Let's let's not let's not uh, cut me short. There. Hello, everyone. Hi. How are you guys doing today? Doing well. I am quite lovely. Thank you for asking. Great. Excellent. Good. Yeah. Glad I, to I, have you guys on for uh, 151 here. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Let's have some shots. It's nice. <laughs> it's nice to have Aaron on. It's nice to have Robert back on. It's been a while. I've been trying to get Robert back on the show, but it's great to see. Uh, Robert, real quick, uh, to remind some of you listeners and you know various new listeners, what what is the book series that you're writing about? Well, who won in a reverent look at the Oscars? It's basically me going back through every single year of the Oscars and saying what should have happened. <laughs> so which movie should have won, which movie should not have won. I'm doing every single category. Uh, I've watched over 2,100 films. Uh, the first two volumes have been out for over a year, and the third one should be out by this summer. Great. Yes, I, I actually did get a chance to read the first volume, and I wrote a review for WhySimply.com, and I, was, I, I really enjoyed your writing style. It's very fun, it's very funny, and very informative. So. All right, well, my only much. question before we move on. Yeah. Should, did, should Shawshank have won? He's not there I yet. I haven't gotten there yet. Oh, how far I, have you gotten? Just got up to 1963. Oh, so you started from the bottom. Now you're from here. From the very beginning. He's, he's like Drake. Yeah, he started from the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that must be funny, but I don't know why. So <laughs> uh, yeah. okay, I started back in 1927, and I've worked my way year by year. I've now seen every single Oscar-nominated film, 
since 1927 up through 63, and I'm working on 64 for the fourth book right now. That's impressive. Yeah, that, that, yeah, this man is our new guy. That takes some, it's so great. Well, that thank you very much. Able... Donations are welcome. Yeah. <laughs> Those books are available on Amazon. Um, yes. But it, it is nice that you're able to take a break from your busy movie-watching schedule of certain classics and certain maybe not-so-classics to, you know, go out and see a new film like Godzilla this weekend and join us for this podcast. So. It was a very rare experience seeing a recent film. And uh, I guess since Aaron's here, let's talk about Just Seen It for a second, Aaron. What's what's Just Seen It? What is that? You're an yeah, I can't swear. This is a family show. You're a lovely human being. Uh, Just Seen It is a half-hour movie and television review show that is on PBS, on YouTube, on Hulu. Uh, actually, in like two weeks, we're going to start airing on the PBS World Channel, which is across the country Ooh. on Sundays at 11.30 in the Anti-Meridian. Uh, and yeah, it's going to be great. Everything's been going great. We've had a lot of cool interviews. Um, we just had John Favreau on set yesterday and we had Billy Bob Thornton on a couple weeks ago. Uh, I got to do an interview with the hilarious Dan Fogler this past Friday. Um, you know, Han- Hannibal's Dan Fogler. Yes, sir. We talked about it too. <laughs> I was like, yeah, Hannibal, it's so serious and you're so funny. Like why? And he was like, well, you know, I- I was the funniest guy on Hannibal. <laughs> yeah, you kind of were. <laughs> Apparently you haven't seen Mads Mikkelsen's uh, Scandinavian uh, stand-up specials, but okay. No, I haven't. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I will I will go and seek them out immediately. For sure. Um, so, yeah, great. Great. Thanks for that. Just Seen It is a show that I watch because I enjoy watching you guys talk about movies on PBS. So people should seek that out. I appreciate it. Um, let's, uh, Abe, I'm going to read an email real quick. Yes. Um, this basically sums up a lot of the very nice thoughts we've uh, received, um, about our 150th episode where myself, Abe, and friends of the show, Scott Mendelson, Brandon Peters, and Maxwell Haddad talked about their favorite movies of all time, um, along with some other various guests that we also had jump on, make some cameo appearances. But here's, this is an email from Danny Murphy. Um, he says, congrats on making it to 150 episodes. I have been listening for the last 40 to 50, and I love the show. Just wanted to say thanks for what you do. I appreciate this show and listen to about 10, 15 podcasts. And I listen to about 10 or 15 podcasts. This is one of the few I listen to the second it comes up. I have three kids and work a ton, so my life is very busy. Watching movies and reading comics is my relaxing time, and you guys are spot on with my taste in movies, so keep up the awesome work. And happy birthday, Aaron. Um <laughs> Thanks for all that, uh, Danny. That's uh, I mean, it's a very, it's a very nice email. It's the that kind of thing is. where, yeah, I mean, Abe and I, as well as you know, the guests that are on the show, we had a lot of fun talking, you know, about our favorite movies and whatnot. And Abe and I have, as we've mentioned before, we've been doing this show for like over three years now, and it's being able to do like a very spectacular 150th episode was enormously rewarding, I think. And putting it yeah. all together, and the fact that we've received. A lot of very kind thoughts for a podcast episode the last two and a half hours telling us how fast it flows, how how they could listen to it for even longer. Like, it's very, very flattering. So we very much appreciate your your thoughts, Dan and Danny, and as well as just everyone else that's kind of wished us well for achieving the uh, what we've achieved. <laughs> yeah, it's certainly very flattering as well. We want to echo that sentiment. And also just being able to do it with friends of the show that we enjoy speaking to. And it's just uh, great that we've built this community and we're still building it, but, you know, everyone has a has an input in it, and so Danny thanks. I think that Danny also like burns them on CDs and drives when he when he goes to work. Is that, was that Danny? I can't recall. I know a few people do that actually, but yeah. Danny might have been one of them. Uh, but yeah, it, it is you know nice to have lots of friends of the show and building a community. I mean, I, I we wouldn't have Robert and Aaron back on the show if we thought they were jerks. So it's nice. To have... <laughs> Unless we paid you really well. 
Yeah. We won't talk about that. But I mean, anyway, moving on. <laughs> um, so okay, let's let's get some more fun stuff here. Uh, there's a new commentary episode up. I don't, I don't even know. If, I don't even know if Abe knows that because he was he's I, been away out of the country. But I I, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, there is. We have a new commentary episode up. Myself and friends of the show, who I just mentioned, Scott Mendelson, Brandon Peters, and friend of the show Jim Dietz, all recorded a commentary for X Men, the 2000 X Men film in preparation for X-Men Days of Future Past, which comes out this Friday, this coming Friday. Um, that dates the show right there. Um, so, but with that said, that is available now. You can listen to it. It's a lot of fun. We pack it with information, and it's it, it, people like the commentary, so, you know, that one's out there right now. X-Men. Uh, last thing, iTunes reviews and ratings. We, as I mentioned before, we reached our goal. Abe and I had a goal of getting a certain number of iTunes reviews and ratings, and we managed to do that before the 150th episode, which made us incredibly happy. But, you know, always good to get more. Helps more people find the show, more people, you know, be aware of it and what have you. So, if you have any time, log on to iTunes, send us a little review or rating, and, you know, that'd be awesome. That would be awesome. Thank you in advance. Yeah. And I did mention that we'll be doing a raffle um, for a prize based on the two prizes, in fact, for the various iTunes reviewers, and eventually I'll, I'll get that set up. Um, just, you know, we're working on a lot of things here, but yeah, that, that will happen. And, you know, that gives you more time to, you know, add a reviewer rating so you can possibly win yeah. a prize. Yeah. So we'll put you your go. names in like a little, uh, little, uh, bingo machine and we'll just roll it. We'll, one, we'll tape it. One of the fezes that Abe owns. We'll put it in one of those <laughs> and, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll pull some names out of there. Hey. Only we stole from hey. Will Ferrell. From but fezes are cool. Fezes are cool. You're right. Bill Murray's Is that the plural of fez? It's actually fezes. Fezes? Oh, okay. I, I was wondering idea. if there was like an I, like, you know, octopi or something. Fezes? Fezai. Let's move on. Let's um, let's get to our. So like, we got to point this out, Abe, because this is version 3.7 of Out Now Here and Abe. We've we, we've sli- we've tink- we've done some slight tinkering with the format of the show. Still yeah. the same show you know and love, but a little little different things here. So uh, let's start off now. Let's go to know everybody. Where each week Abe and I ask the various guests on the show a few questions, try to set the tone for the podcast. We better get to. No, everybody. everybody. So if oh, that's that it, spot on, I thought it was pretty good. I thought it was pretty good. <laughs> you've been you've been away for a week too, so I mean that's impressive. Yeah, yeah. So with that with that said, I'm gonna start this one off. This is open to all of you. Is there a substantially sized monster that you were ever scared of in particular? Well, it wasn't a monster per se, but I, I mean after seeing Jurassic Park, I was very scared of large dinosaurs. Makes perfect sense. I mean. I, huh? I, I don't have any monsters that I was particularly scared of. I, I guess because I stayed away from those movies when I was younger. Yep, me too. <laughs> For better. Well, hours. you know, other than my ex-wife, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I remember being quite terrified of Godzilla when I was a child, the original one, because it is a very scary movie and it's not really meant for children. But uh, that was quickly solved by the fact that almost every other Godzilla movie ever made in the 50s and 60s was meant for children. And so he became very friendly and very comic and, you know, sort of like the comic you'd invite over for a sleepover rather than one you'd run from. It reminds me of the Godzilla stand-up Japanese specials that he's been doing in a <laughs> correlation with the Mads Mikkelsen's Get an Idiot tour. <laughs> so it's been something. <laughs> what well, is it's it? The, it's the Snickers oh, commercial yeah. one. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Abe, are you about to make a hackneyed what is the deal joke? Yeah, what does he do with Tokyo? <laughs> what is the deal with Tokyo? <laughs> That's Godzilla stand-up. Thank you. Hey, <laughs> hey, he just likes Japanese food. Yeah, so that's why he travels to other countries. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, my question is, 
There's characters like R2-D2, C-3PO, the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man, and Godzilla. If you guys had to play a character in costume, which would it be? If I say say the question part again, I'm sorry. If you had to play a character in a costume, which character would it be? Anybody. Or, I mean, like, any character mm. ever. In, in a costume. Let's see. Chewbacca, Jabba the Hutt. It's like one of those costumes, like a big rubber suit kind of costume. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Old school Godzilla was uh, just a dude. Or he, yeah, that was a big rubber suit. Yeah. And he used to pass out on that regularly because there wasn't any air conditioning. And ventilation. 10, 15 minutes, 20 minutes in the suit, and then quite often they did pass out. It's unfortunate to hear. Yes, it was. It just but so I would like to come to the of Japan when, in a Godzilla suit. That would be enjoyable for an afternoon. Every time he passed out was one of the times that Godzilla got hit really hard. <laughs> it's very coincidental. Uh, I'm going to say the bunny from Donnie Darko. Oh. <laughs> no. yeah. The prom bunny. Yeah. Any answer, Aaron? Uh, I'm thinking. Um, um, uh, uh, Gamera. Why not? I'll, do a, I'll just do another Godzilla. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you play. No, everybody. No, everybody. Oh, sorry. A little early there, then, buddy. That doesn't even deserve a TM. No. <laughs> Speaking of TMs, let's move on now to cookies. Yep. Each week out now, we talk about one main movie of the week, but we also have other movies we also see during the week. That's why I have a segment called Out of Quickies. Yep. Hey-o. <laughs> There's an echo there. So, Abe. Yes. You've been away for a while. You've I been have. on some planes. Surely you probably have seen at least one movie. Yes, I did. I watched an edited plane version of Francis Ha. <laughs> and Aww. That was an enjoyable film, because all the new releases, Aaron and I have already seen. So, it wasn't even, like, I was I was watching other people choose movies, and I was saying, please, don't watch Legend of Hercules, or don't watch, uh, what's that one with Ice Cube and Kevin Hart? Right, right, ride along. Ride along. Hey, ride along wasn't that bad. Wasn't that bad. Watch Ride Along, that's fine. Yeah. yeah. yeah okay. For but, a plane, uh, like, like <laughs> yeah, that's a good movie yeah. for a plane, I'd say, actually. <laughs> 13, or, 13 or 10 hours to go, and... But, uh, yeah, no, I watched Francis Ha. There were some edited scenes, and so I, I feel as though I have to watch uh, a Netflix version of it. I think it's still streaming. But I found it enjoyable. I found it. Uh, I found that there was character redemption in it. Um, and uh, I was like, this feels like a this feels like a Noah Baumbach film, and it, it turned out to be a Noah Baumbach film. So there you what? go. What? You're so I smart. Know. I, th- I think what it said I that in the, uh, the first two minutes of the opening credits. I think it, I think it said that multiple I, times. I <laughs> yeah. I didn't pay attention. The part that the part that triggered me to it was uh, when she's trying to sound smart and she's like, "Oh, I'm in." Uh, I forget what she was saying, but it reminded me of Jesse Eisenberg when he's like, "That's very Kafkaesque." And <laughs> like, what does that mean? He's like, "You don't know Kafkaesque." He's like, he he gets stuck in the little lie. In the squid and the whale, you reference. Yeah, the skid, right. Anyway, so yeah, watch this out. I'm surprised it was edited. Like when you have your own kind of. There might have been some. It was like a a scene where she's uh, hanging out with like one of her roommates. Um, and it kind of just cuts very quickly. It may be for swear words or something like that. Uh, when she's living with the two guys, one of the guys from uh, from uh, Inside Lou and Davis, but the other guy who's trying to hit on her, and they find her undateable. Um, so, yeah, I'll have to check it out. Yeah. Aaron, have you seen any other movies this week? Yes. Uh, I know we just talked about The Raid 2 before we started, but I'm not going to pick that one. I'm going to pick uh, how, uh, what the heck am I talking A Million Ways to Die in the West. Oh. Ooh. Yeah. Do you want me to talk about it, or should I just leave it at that? You can, you can talk about it. <laughs> what a tease. <laughs> um, well, I was not the biggest fan of Ted, 
Uh, I think that the stuff with Ted was funny, but even that was pushing it at times. Um, and I am a fan of Family Guy. I grew up with it, and uh, you know, so I respect Seth MacFarlane. Uh, this impressed me. I laughed a lot more than I thought I was going to, and there are two gags in it that apparently are now in a trailer that makes me very sad. Um, but the, those two gags are so funny. I think it's worth buying the ticket just to see that. I think it's one of the ones that Abe is I, most looking forward to. Yes, that's that's one of the ones that Aaron and I talked about off, off air. I I can imagine what it is, and I didn't know about it, and I was just I was dying. <laughs> I, it was amazing, and there were also things that made me angry about this movie, like some jokes that I just shook my head at instead of laughing at everything. But you know, to each his own. I'm sure it's going to make a lot of money. People are going to enjoy it, and I I'm going to review it next week. And ooh, spoiler alert on my review. I'm going to give it a see it. Hey, yeah. <laughs> oh, good. Yeah, I I'm excited for that film. And I'm a person that doesn't really care for Family Guy that much, but love Ted. So there you go. Uh, Robert, any uh, you've you've certainly been watching movies of a certain age. Any one you want to point out in particular? Well, yes. Um, I've been stuck back in 1964 this week, and there's some great films that year. Doctor Strangelove is coming up very soon on my schedule, um, and uh, Beckett with Peter O'Toole playing Henry II the first time around, and then. Um, but the one I was really impressed with this week that I'd never actually seen before is John Huston's uh, adaptation of Tennessee Williams' play The Night of the Iguana with Richard Burton, Ava Gardner, uh, Deborah Carr, and uh, Sue Lyons uh, just right after she made Lolita playing yet another nymphette uh, seducing an older man. Uh, it's a really, really great version of the Tennessee Williams play. Uh, filmed down in Puerto Vallarta back before that was a famous place. In fact, the movie kind of brought Preto Viarta onto Hollywood's uh, radar, and people started going down there. The celebrities started going down there. It was very rural, very out of the way back then. It was not a resort by any means. But uh, John Houston dragged his entire cast down to the middle of nowhere, as he had done with the African Queen and he had done with um, Treasure of the Sierra Madre. He liked to get away from Hollywood and away from the producers, and he built an entire seedy hotel up at the top of a hill there and had to boat in his people every single day because there was no road to get to there and it's just a tremendously great set of performances richard burton gives a surprisingly comic and not bombastic performance he actually dug himself into the role pretty well rather than just doing his standard and i'm going to talk at the top of my lungs and enunciate very clearly uh ava gardner surprisingly for a sex symbol has an amazingly good performance uh playing the widow who owns the hotel now and very uh, earthy that she is. She has two young Mexican boys who kind of follow her around playing maracas with their shirts off and looking at her with great expectations. She keeps sending them away and telling them not now, later. And, uh, <laughs> it's really quite funny. And then Deborah Carr, who Way often in. played very prim and proper, uh, does a wonderful role as, as a con artist, more or less. Um, her and her aging grandfather was a poet on his last legs. And there's this entire busload of Baptist women who are furious because they think Richard Burton is a defrocked priest is sleeping with Sue Lyons, but it's Sue Lyons that's going after him the whole time. And he keeps trying to get her out of his room and they keep catching him at it. So it's really quite a great set of uh, performances and, and a great location setting. And John Houston has got this wonderful, wonderful sense of irony and satire going throughout the whole film. Really, a great movie. Yeah, I definitely want to check that. One. I've seen a number of. Uh, I've seen like 
street, a street car and um, what had on a hot yeah. team roof. But yeah, I've been wanted. That's that's what I've wanted to see. Just you know, you can't see everything all the time. But. Night of the Iguana is actually almost as good as Streetcar Named Desire, which hmm. is saying a great deal. Yeah. yeah. Well, great. Yeah, that's a, it's one to catch. How how do you see a lot of these movies? By the way, I'm curious. Uh, well, I own quite a few of them on DVD, which is I'd rather see them in the theater. But given the fact review theaters are few and far between these days. It's very, revival house theaters are hard to find, but I watched quite a lot of these at a revival house 20, 30 years ago down in Newport Beach in Balboa Island. They had a great revival house for a number of years. Is that the Lido Theater you're referencing? I believe so. No, not Lido. Uh, no, maybe it is the Lido. The Port Theater is one in Corona del Mar. Mm-hmm. I don't remember the name. It was just down the one right where the pier is in Balboa Island. Oh, Balboa. And, yeah, that's not as different. Yeah, they, I think they're still doing Rocky Horror every Friday night, or at least they were for a long time. But uh, they used to have double features that would change every two, three days. And so for years, I would go down there and, and get up in the balcony and uh, watch the films and just have a marvelous time seeing the films that you're supposed to see them on a big screen. But I, give, I have quite a few on DVD. The local library system here in Orange County has an excellent uh, collection scattered all over the county, but they'll record things for you, recall things for you very cheaply. And then, you know, uh, Turner Classic Movies has been absolutely indispensable. My DVR is stuffed to the brim. My wife wants to know when exactly I'm going to get through them all. <laughs> so I, I tend to go on, you know, binge watching two, three movies a day when nobody else is around. So Very cool. Cool. All right. I have, well, I could talk about Million Dollar Arm, but that movie's just way too terrible and boring to, <laughs> to, to really do it. So I'll talk about Chef instead, which I saw a couple weeks ago, but yeah. I didn't get a chance to talk about it on the podcast. Chef, uh, the new film by John Favreau. Um, is wonderful. I I love this movie. It's some of the most entertaining time I've had at a movie theater this year watching Chef, and I can't wait to see it again. Um, it features John Favreau as a world-renowned chef. Um, he's kind of stuck in L.A. trying to be creative, but he's in sort of a rut. He freaks out based on certain decisions that have to be made, and he kind of goes back to his roots, and he opens up a taco truck. And he brings his son along, along and his friend John Leguizamo, and they kind of go on a road trip um, just making food the way they want to and having a great time. It's a very just fun and entertaining and wonderfully enjoyable movie. has a great father-son story in there, has a lot of food porn in there, just all everything about Chef I really <laughs> enjoyed. Um, and you'll just go in, make sure not to go in on an empty stomach because you'll be incredibly hungry after you watch the movie. It's like you just spoke for me. Yeah, it's just so much oh. fun. It's... I've taught you well, young Aaron-san. <laughs> <laughs> is John Leguizamo good? John Leguizamo yeah. great. The whole cast is so much fun. Like, what's something I really liked is that Sofia Vergara is in there, and as much as it's fun to see her, hey, I'm yelling on Modern Family yeah, Release. Yeah, she's good, though. It's, it's neat to see her actually <laughs> acting in Chef. Yeah, that's like, awesome. she's, yeah. Like, yeah, for sure. Everyone's good. Bobby Cannavale's fun. Did he, like, he made his wife, his ex-wife, Sofia Vergara, and the woman he's sucking up with Scarlett Johansson. Yeah, <laughs> and Robert Downey Jr. pops in and say like, "Hello!" Like, it's just like it's it's fun. It's a fun movie. Um, all right, let's move on. Now. That was Al Quickies. Yeah, yeah. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you're both on the ball. In this. Yeah. <laughs> um, Don't I'll, try I'll, I'll, I'll give Robert a pass. It's been over a year, but I'm glad I'm glad Aaron's on the ball. In this. I'm always on the ball. All right, let's get to our movie trailer talk, where we can talk about one of the newest trailers of the week and when it's coming out, what we think, and what have you. And we have a big one to talk about, because I know I'm anticipating this film quite a lot. It is Interstellar. This is the newest film from Christopher Nolan, starring Matthew McConaughey, Jessica Chastain, and Anne Hathaway. 
it's got stuff going on. I don't even want to really delve into what the plot is necessarily. I just want to talk about this trailer. So with that said, let's start with Aaron. Aaron, what did you think of the trailer for Interstellar? I was blown away. I loved it. I think uh, it's definitely getting me excited. The one thing I will say about content is uh, I've heard from a few people that that whole entire trailer is about the first 20 minutes of the movie, <laughs> which is awesome. Uh, I yeah, can't, that's awesome. I can't wait to see what's going to happen. It, you know, gets you excited. Um, it's, I mean, trailers, trailers have it kind of easy as far as convincing people to go see a movie goes because all you have to do is just make this two and a half minute thing, you know, sweeping and rousing and epic and have, you know, people that you relate to or people that you like to see. And then you're hooked, especially if you already know about the movie. So, I mean, you know, it's like, oh, you, you get just enough information to be like, well, what's really going to happen? <laughs> you know, like he teases you with lots of small things and you've got McConaughey, who is uh, incredible. And uh yeah, I mean, that last shot of it, too, where you just it's spaceship is splitting in half i'm just like oh my god <laughs> so excited <laughs> robert what do you think of the trailer well i thought it looked interesting i was particularly intrigued by a little scene with this what i think is going to be suspended animation where they're immersing them in fluid to be able to travel that's a device that's been predicted for a long time in science fiction and used from planet of the apes but not the whole immersion in fluid and uh, to minimize the impact if that's what they're doing or if it's some kind of device to be able to resist uh, the uh, acceleration patterns i'm a little tired of the you know i'll come back for you plot which always ends up that he comes back for you it never fails and so it's a bit predictable on that but uh, the special effects look quite nice and i love the design of the spacecraft i'm a little concerned they're going to pull a gravity i don't really understand physics routine because uh, gravity violated basic high school physics right and left, which is annoying for anybody who actually knows high school physics. You have to kind of disengage the part of your brain that understands reality to be able to watch that sort of thing. And Einstein's theory of relativity being what it is, uh, if he doesn't uh, use some kind of hyperdrive, uh, if they're going to accelerate to the, you know, a certain percentage of the speed of light, when he comes back, his children will have been long dead. Uh, yeah. yeah, so that that makes me wonder if they're going to actually pay attention to what we understand about the universe, which is kind of a requirement for science fiction, uh, science fantasy, you know, star Wars, star Trek, fine. But if you're going to actually do a science fiction film, can we please pay attention to the science? Uh, but it looks really good. Uh, I like Matthew McConaughey. He's done a lot of interesting things in the last few years. And, uh, I'm very fond of Christopher Nolan until we get to the third Batman movie. So, um, <laughs> I won't go there again. Uh, we'll just upset Aaron if I do so. So, I liked it. I, I'm looking forward to it. Abe? Robert, you didn't see that part where they meet up with Han Solo and they get the hyperdrive? There you go. Yeah, I mean, that was that was at the end end of the trailer, by the way. Uh-huh. Spoiler alert. They were all uh, made of Legos. Tra- it was great. <laughs> <laughs> Will Arnett is Batman. Bruce Wayne, who's that guy? I watched the Lego movie again. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. Uh, the Interstate trailer, this, I love this trailer. I'm, I'm with Aaron Fink here. Um... I think that it, it what, what's neat about it is that now that I've watched this one, I went back and watched the the teaser trailer, and the teaser trailer is just just as amazing. A lot of stuff more or more or less makes sense. Uh, I'm excited to see where it goes. I mean, it looks amazing. It looks beautifully shot, and the visuals look very stunning. So um, I'm probably not going to watch any more trailers. Uh, I just want to see the film. And uh, in terms of plot and whatever else, 
I'm just going to let it fall into place uh, however it may. So uh, I'm excited. I'm on board. No more no more teasers, no more trailers for me. Yeah, I, uh, I really like the trailer. I love that it shows you enough but tells you pretty much nothing. You get a semblance of a plot but not one that's like – gives you an expectation of what you're going to see in the rest of this movie, especially if you're seeing what I pretty much assumed was going to be only the beginning elements of the film, which is what Aaron just basically kind of confirmed. Um, what something I really enjoy is that it feels like a movie about ex- exploration and like wonder and hope. And as much as I like Christopher Nolan, like, you know, he has done movies that delve into kind of darkness and have a cold sort of feeling to them in terms of how some return characters are handled and whatnot. And this one feels a lot brighter, I mean, for what it's trying to do. Like, it, it feels like Matthew Conaghy is, you know, sad as it is that he has to leave behind his daughter and his family. Like, it it seems like, you know what, I'm also doing this thing that could, you know, help Earth as well as be just wonderful. Like, and you kind of get that in just basically is the the way he's speaking to his family at the beginning and then the beginning, and the beginning of this trailer where he's driving around the truck and just, just explaining, like, hey, this is, this is why I do things that I do and, like, how awesome it is. Like, it, it feels like that's a tone that I'm seeing, and I really like that. I really like that uh, kind of hopefulness and uplift I'm seeing in this trailer. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I mean, I was I was sold just because Christopher Nolan has a new movie coming out. That's like that's all I really needed. So yeah, seeing more trailers for it, I'm confident enough in the way Nolan promotes his things that I'm not going to be spoiled in anything too much. Even if it's original property, I know there's going to be you know trailers later on that'll give more away, but I don't think it's going to do too much to like ruin my enjoyment of the film, which I'm just really looking forward to. So that all said, Interstellar arrives in theaters November. I believe it's November 7th, if I had to be specific, but the trailer just says November. So I'm going to go November <laughs> this year. It's a lot better than the other trailer that says next year and confuses audiences. Yeah, one year from now. Yeah. Right? <laughs> <laughs> well, one year from now. What? What? I saw the trailer like in October 2013. All right. So with all that out of the way, let's get to our main film review for Godzilla. You have no idea what's coming. Can you kill it? The arrogance of man is thinking nature is in our control. And not the other way around. All right, so that should have been some of the trailer for Godzilla, which is the big return of the giant lizard that is now celebrating his 60th anniversary. This is the 29th Godzilla film, and it's set in modern times, which and is the result of director Gareth Edwards doing what he can to, you know, ground the beast in some kind of reality where we can watch humans see giant monsters duke it out. There is a human cast here that includes Aaron Taylor Johnson, Ken Watanabe, and Brian Cranston doing most of the heavy lifting from a small scale, but these giant beasts are surely the main interest. Let's start with Robert James. What is your relationship to the Godzilla series, and what did you think of this new take? Well, I grew up in the uh, 60s and 70s when Channel 5, our local KTLA station, used to play Godzilla movies almost every weekend, uh, in Gamera movies almost every weekend. It was a ritual uh, around our neighborhood. There was like half a dozen boys. We'd go running for the TV guy the minute it showed up on our mailbox. I know that's dating myself because I don't even know if TV guy even exists anymore. But uh, we'd have to go through and look and see which movies are going to be on. And quite often, these things would be on at 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning that we hadn't seen yet. And we had a father uh, of uh, our, one of my best friend's fathers who would 
have us all in a sleepover, but we on at two or three o'clock in the morning, and then he would wake us up to get up and watch these uh, Japanese monster movies because they didn't have VCRs back when I was a kid. So I know I'm sounding very ancient and old, so please uh, refer to me with respect when you try to correct my mistakes. Yes, but, sir. Um, <laughs> yes, Obi-Wan. But, uh, you know, the the original movie, the, the 1954 one, uh, Gojira, which was released here in the United States with a whole lot of footage added with featuring a Raymond Burr uh, as a reporter who was kind of inserted in these very cheap sets uh, that, and then they would cut to the Japanese guys. They would make up questions. He would ask them and then cut to the Japanese guys from the original movie and insert lines that would answer his questions. And so it's, it was the film we all watched originally, but that was a terrifying film. And the Japanese version wasn't released here. I don't think until the early two thousands, the early aughts, it might've, there might've been a showing or two in the nineties. But um, it was always the fabled Japanese version we always wanted to see and never could. But the the original one is really a parable about the atomic bomb blast, uh, which the Japanese are still the only people who've ever actually had uh, nuclear weapons dropped in them. And so it was it was really a way of coping with the terror they had felt at, at having these two bombs dropped in them. And then Godzilla is is a representation of that terrible event and it, it's taken through the whole first film with a great deal of seriousness it, there's only almost no humor in the film whatsoever but in sequels and then you know even though it's the original Godzilla film I don't think it's a spoiler in the original Godzilla film to say he's destroyed at the end I won't say how but they make a sequel and they never mention just how he comes back uh, but by the mid 60s they were making one or two of these every year or two, and they were for children primarily. And they added more monsters. There was Mothra and Rodan and King Ghidorah, the three-headed one, and there were all these other monsters that get added over time. And the primary attraction to watching these films as a child is to see the monsters fight. And Godzilla very quickly becomes not something scary, but our greatest defender. He becomes our friend. Uh, he, he, is, he was the hero of the film. And so when he's fighting the monsters, he's, you know, he's the good guy. And you start cheering for him. And I remember going to see Godzilla movies in the theaters when I was a boy. And they were very much children's films. And there would be these adults floating around the film. And I've recently started re-watching these movies with my five-year-old grandson. And then I also watched them with my uh, son when he was younger. And they're long stretches where you get these aliens are coming to invade the earth and they want to control our monsters and they bring their own monsters with them. And there's spy stories and there's kind of kind of mixed, you know, James Bond and 007 with the Godzilla stuff. And I will tell you my reaction as a child was to ignore that part. And my five-year-old grandson's reaction was like, when is Godzilla going to come back? <laughs> and I think that, uh, that's my essential, you know, take on uh, this new Godzilla movie is when is Godzilla going to A, show up, and B, why is he not on screen very much? But yeah. we'll come back to why a movie named Godzilla does not have much Godzilla in it later, I hope. But I never really watched the, the new series of Godzilla films in the 90s. I did watch one of them a couple of weeks ago because my grandson wants to know when are, where are there more Godzilla movies he hasn't seen yet, and I have them all on DVD, but the 90s ones are really not appropriate for children. 
uh, small children at least. They're more aimed at a young, you know, preteen kind of audience, I think, more than anything. And then, of course, there's the Matthew Broderick monstrosity from the 90s, which probably we better not talked about because it was a real stinker. <laughs> That's a thing. Yeah. So my, it's just been a lifelong love affair with Godzilla. And in fact, in the second volume of my series, I pretty much argue that Godzilla deserved uh, the Oscar that year for best costume because it was a man in a rubber suit stomping all over model cities. And that was extremely elaborate special effects for its day. It was very difficult to do that and do that well. They're, they actually did the entire thing on a raised platform uh, with the camera up in the air. And so this, you know, Godzilla would be on top of that platform so that they could use the camera at eye level, uh, putting it at ground level so that as Godzilla's walking through, he looked much larger, but also all the pyrotechnics and all the explosions would be rigged from underneath the platform. So it was very, very advanced special effects for its day. And, and as a child, it was totally real. I didn't have any idea that Godzilla was not real, and neither does my grandson. So they were, they're still very effective films for children. Uh, they're, not, they're more nostalgia trips if you're an adult, but if you watch them as a child. But they were kids' movies by the 60s. Uh, the current Godzilla is not a child's movie at all, in my opinion. I can't imagine my five-year-old okay. sitting through it. Aaron, what are you, what's your thought on the new Godzilla? Well, let me first say that despite the monstrous, no pun intended, nature of the Roland Emmerich film, I did watch it as a child, and I did enjoy it. And looking back on it now, I know it's not a good movie, but I would still watch it if it was on TV because it's hilariously bad. Um, <laughs> and, and, and you know what? I, I don't care. I don't care what anyone says. I know uh, that's not a widely accepted truth. Uh, that that movie is worth watching. But, you know, uh, Hank Azaria is good, and uh, Jean Reno is always good. <laughs> He's certainly there. Yeah, I mean, casting Matthew Broderick as a lead of an action film was perhaps uh, not a smart move. Um, Most of the casting in that movie was not a smart move. But... <laughs> yeah, you're probably I, I right. watched it the other day. I have lots of thoughts on it, but I don't want to get too far into it. <laughs> no, let's so not. So basically let's... Aaron believes that size does matter. <laughs> yes, I do. You are right, sir. And that's ironic is that 98 Godzilla is one of the smallest of the, you know, multiple Godzillas over the past 60 years. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm sure if I watched it, I mean, the last time I watched it was probably a few years ago. I'm sure if I watched it now, I'd be like, oh, God. So we'll leave it at that. It was a part of my childhood. It was how I first became aware of Godzilla. Um, I did see, uh, I don't know if it was the original, original Godzilla, but I've certainly seen a couple of them. Um, I, I would imagine it wasn't the original because they were all kind of goofy. So, um, the original's in black and white. Yeah, okay, it wasn't that. Yeah. Um, so my experience is very limited in terms of the series. Um, so I was just looking for it to be fun and exciting and basically exactly, I feel exactly the same that you do about it, Robert, which is like, why was there not more Godzilla in this Godzilla movie? Uh, I enjoyed it. I was in the theater, and I had a good time. Um, but the thing that really bothered me about it is that the film, the film script, really, the film script was not executed well, specifically because there are so many human characters, and you, by the end of the film, you, I did not end up caring about any of them. Um, the one that I did care about disappeared from the film rather quickly. I will say that and nothing more. Um, I agree with you on that one. And that, that was a huge mistake. Yeah, it was. And so and, and the, the real problem is 
it's okay if you have characters and they're simple and they're one dimensional and you don't try and give them moments, you know, emotional moments, that's fine. But this script tried to give them emotional moments and they did not work. The one that is the most uh, prevalent example to me is when Aaron Taylor Johnson is on the subway train and there's the little Japanese boy that he's trying to save when monster attacks happen. And I'm the whole time I was just thinking, you have a son. Why isn't your son in this movie? <laughs> like, um, so I, I just wish that that there was more of Godzilla <laughs> and that the movie didn't try so hard to make me care because in reality, I didn't care about any of the humans. By the end of the film, I was like, yeah, Godzilla. Why? Like, I care more about you than, than Aaron Taylor Johnson. And, uh, you know, Ken Watanabe's character had nothing to do in that movie except look terrified and talk about a Hiroshima pocket watch for 10 seconds, which I thought was completely irrelevant to the film. Sally Hawkins basically had the same role of just looking horrid, you know, and horrified and, and saying sensei a couple of times. Um, <laughs> you know, Elizabeth Olsen, they, all these people are good actors. They, they are not, they don't give bad performances, but they have nothing to do other than be scared and, and, if there was something more for them to do, I would have enjoyed all of them more. And then, you know, you have Aaron Taylor Johnson as our lead character. I, I yeah, I mean, he was just a placeholder for the action scenes to take to to form around, you know. And 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 the the last fight, I mean, the last twenty, twenty five, thirty minutes was undoubtedly the best part of the movie. I mean, when when the tail starts glowing blue, I was just I was freaking out. In in the I was like, yeah. You know, like I felt like I was a kid again. So I, I just wanted more of that. I, I, I still think that everyone should see it if they're interested in it at all. And I do not think you should watch it at home. You have to go to a theater. Go see it in Atmos in 3D because that's the whole fun. I mean, the, the direction, the production elements, the cinematography, the score, all of that is awesome. And, you know, it it's <laughs> – I thought about it a lot when I was writing my review for Just Seen It. I have an expectation of what I want summer blockbusters to be like. And I realize more and more as my life expands that they're not going to be that way most of the time. You know, I want them to be exciting and big and all this spectacle, but I also want to care about all the people. I want them to be Spielberg movies, honestly. And I know that they can't all be that now. So I'm, I'm cutting it a little slack. You know, I, I, I just wish that the script wasn't, it didn't, I wish that the script didn't feel like a first draft. Because that's what it felt like. Abe? I certainly feel uh, the same sentiment as uh, Aaron Fink there uh, in terms of the characters and in terms of the storyline. I thought they were very paper thin. And you do have these large name actors like uh, Brian Cranston, Julia Binoche, uh, Aaron Taylor Johnson, Elizabeth Olsen, Sally Hawkins, Academy Award nominated Sally Hawkins, uh, Ken Watanabe. And they're just there. They don't really do anything. Um, it starts out kind of cool. It starts out with some pretty cool and interesting mm -hmm. thoughts. But everything also moves very quickly. And by that, I mean, things move quickly in terms of the pacing of the film uh, for the characters. And, again, there are some exits that you may or may not see coming. Um, honestly, I think that the trailers, they kind of overhyped it for me because I saw a lot of the cool stuff in the trailers. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of some somewhat you could call it downtime uh, during the film. Um, I do agree with Aaron Fink that there's no real reason to care for some of these characters. Uh, I don't really understand why I should be rooting for these people. And part of that is primarily because there's a lot of destruction in the film from the monster. Uh, and 
what is undoubtedly kind of shallow to some degree is they're they're always just focused on the main characters family and or like uh, a person that is with that person at that time so aaron brought up the little japanese boy well what about everyone else who died in that yeah. massive typhoon and then they also you know when there's a breach at a at a specific resort um there's one family with one little girl that gets you know that gets the safety everyone else you don't really care about because the presumably dog, because the she's a little girl around. the dog but, the dog ran away for one thing you don't know she reached safety i mean you, you saw, you saw them right away yeah. that doesn't that doesn't imply that she's safe it just it gives <laughs> true, you a, true. it gives yeah. you a perspective of what's happening and the size involved in it but whatever yeah i mean it's just more because they focus on a singular person or a singular family or event if, another example is when they're on the golden gate and there's tons of school buses but you only see what happens to one school bus <laughs> yeah. because it has Aaron Taylor Johnson. Well, what's the other side of that, though? You get multiple shots of a bunch of school buses and you have this just no, chaos the other that side has of, no focus. The other, like, yeah, the other like, side like, of it he's is... He's the smartest hey, bus driver on the whole bridge. I mean, come on. you know, like <laughs> he's, Yeah, he's driving through the army. Uh, but no, the other side of it is probably just, hey, look, um, let's either make... You pull you pull a, a Spider-Man 2 where the Green Goblin misses everybody and uh, the Shocker, I was going to call him Silk the Shocker, who is a rapper from the 90s, mm. for, <laughs> but the uh, the Shocker, Electro, um, misses everybody in sight because he's a terrible shot. Um, so you can, kind of, you can kind of go that route. The but focus is on yeah. Spider-Man in that scene, not anybody else. True, but I mean, he's like trying to destroy buildings, whatever else, but everyone gets away cleanly. Anyhow, uh, I just thought that some of the characters were paper thin. I do agree that Godzilla didn't really get that much screen time. And when he's there, uh, Robert, thanks for your historical reference point. Because I didn't, I, I was like, why is Godzilla so nice to everybody and whatever else? And it's probably I because. Think, I definitely think that they were trying to pull in points from the entire series. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because the whole starting with the atomic bomb and that was a nice little twist on what the original series was about. But him being a hero is exactly what they're trying to reference. They were trying to please people who'd watched the Godzilla films, cool. you know, the fanboys, as it were. And I think that was the thing is that he was and he, there he is swimming among the Navy and not hitting any of them. Right. You know, yeah. That was a little silly. I thought they were awfully close to a giant lizard that could destroy things. So. But yeah, for the most part, I. There are some aspects that are I find enjoyable of the film, but for the most part, I was uh, was somewhat let down. Yep, I heard that. I mean, yeah, the dude, I, the first twenty minutes, I was like, yeah, cool concept, you know. And then that little twist about thirty minutes in, I won't give it. I'm well, people probably know because they're watching all the trailers and seeing. But I was just like, oh, sh- oh, it's not Godzilla. What? <laughs> you know, because I didn't watch <laughs> anything, so I was like, <gasps> so. But yeah, dumb, just... dumb name for the non-Godzilla monsters, by the way. Mudo. Yeah, that's really scary. Yeah, just call it Mothra, because that's what it basically felt like. <laughs> well, it's actually no, Rodan, it's not Mothra. Maybe. Yeah, it's more oh, Rodan. It? It's yeah. more Rodan <laughs> with the giant flying one. And they looked like mutated uh, praying mantises more than anything else. I really thought the male was going to play there. with the female and then bite his head off. You know? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I was looking forward to that actually. I thought that would have been a much much more interesting cool. take on things. Yeah, there's a number of elements going on in terms of how the, what the creation of the other monsters are in the movie. This That's isn't a, it's not, this isn't a, this Nuclear doesn't feel like a spoiler exact. for me, by the way, for saying there's other monsters because I mean, 90% of Godzilla movies have other monsters, so oh, I mean, it's yeah. like what are you, what are you gonna expect here? Yeah, uh, I well. did think it was interesting though that the monster design for both the new Godzilla and the other two that are in it is very much they could have had a man inside those suits. 
in terms of my relation to the Godzilla series, I grew up watching a lot of old Godzilla movies. Um, I particularly love uh, Godzilla, Godzilla vs. Mothra, or Godzilla vs. The Thing, as it's called in America for some reason. Um, there's a lot of things about these Godzilla movies that just entertain me beyond their campiness, especially you know watching some of them now, where they have a lot of social commentary that goes into what was going on at the time, or focus on like what's working elsewhere that we can somehow retrofit to this Godzilla movie. There's a lot of things like that that just make them entertaining to me. Yes, they are obviously very campy. <laughs> the good majority of them are. Um, and with that said, going into this new one, aside from being just excited by the trailers, which are just terrific, so I, and I, 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 see, I see no need to accuse a trailer of hyping something for you since that's the objection, objective of a trailer. Um, the My main curiosity was what this Godzilla movie was going to be. Um, whether it was going to be another parable in some way, like the original Godzilla film, whether it was going to have Godzilla be the enemy, or whether it was going to have Godzilla be some kind of antihero. And it chooses to be kind of a mix of the the outside, too, of kind of this more serious take. It says it's not particularly satirizing anything or having anything at its core. It's fairly shallow, actually, in terms of having any other commentary in its way. But it does treat things deadly serious without being self-serious, which I enjoyed. And it also has Godzilla as basically an antihero. It's less about him defending earth and more about him just taking care of business <laughs> it just happens to be involved in the uh, city streets and whatnot <laughs> and with all that said i really like this movie i i was very entertained by it i won't i won't argue that the characters are thin um but it's watching a godzilla movie it, i didn't expect to see the deepest of characterizations nor did i think i needed to be deeper, deeper characterizations i can understand the fault there and I can certainly see why people would be disappointed that they're not getting like other things to go along with this giant monster movie. And yeah, there isn't a lot of Godzilla, but I love the way that Gareth Edwards has a lot of restraint. I've seen movies where you see nonstop, you know, giant monsters or action back to back to back and rapidly edited and whatnot. And I like the idea of being teased with this thing and having that feeling of wanting more in a positive way rather than feeling like I got gypped. It, it, it worked for me. And it's funny, Aaron, you brought up you want things to be more like Spielberg movies. And I saw a lot of Spielbergian influence here. I saw a lot of Jaws and a lot of Jurassic Park in this guy. Oh, yeah, movie. no, there was. There yeah, was. I, I would say the characters certainly aren't as likable as those characters. Right. But the way, the filmmaking involved, and this movie, it is uh, style over substance, easily. I'm not going to deny that whatsoever. But mm -hmm. if I'm going to get that kind of movie, I feel like I got a very good example of that kind of movie. I think Edwards has a tremendous control over the atmosphere and building dread and building tension and just letting things play out very visually without having I mean there's a lot of scenes of just people of Ken Watsonabi standing with David Strathairn and talking about the plans and whatnot. This alpha predator of yours, Doctor. Do you really think he has a chance? The arrogance of man is thinking nature is in our control. And not the other way around. Let them fight but there's also a lot of visual communication of what's going on. There's a thing involving Aaron Taylor Johnson's character, and I, it, yeah, he's he, he's very dull. He's very, like, there's no flaw with him. He's just a perfect guy that's very good at his job and wants to get back to his family. There's nothing there, really, for him to work with. But he has, like, a, a lot of moments in this film where he notices something, 
and he sees that something change later on, and then he does something about that something, and that's all done without dialogue or any real communication. Like, there's stuff like that that make me admire the filmmaking that's present. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's it, a great visual storyteller. For sure, which is fitting, just because, like, he made, because he made monsters before this, which cost less than a million dollars, but it's focused entirely on character and has monsters in the background. And that's it, why I wanted more character, because I thought I was going to get it because of how much of a character-based story Monsters was. And I, I, I agree about the restraint thing. All those reasons... For, it's like funny, we you know, using the same reference points but for different wants. Yeah, and like I I can I can admire this just because it's a movie that's, you know, <laughs> 160 times the budget of his first movie right. and he's somehow <laughs> able to make a coherent blockbuster film that I could follow very easily, have a lot of fun with and still respect for the fact that he was able to do this kind of movie as instead of instead of making it a wall-to-wall thing where you get tired of seeing these kind of things instead of giving you just enough of it. And <laughs> make it fun. Like, that's the, the, the major takeaway. I had. I had a lot of fun with this movie. And, like, it's because the movie knows how to be that kind of level of serious while still giving you things like Godzilla whacking something with its tail and making <laughs> you cheer in the audience because of it. Like, it, it's, I think it's tremendously entertaining. Yeah. I, it certainly has its issues. And I won't deny that the screenplay is like, hey, all right. But, like, for... Yeah, it's not, it's not Edward's fault. No, I would say, I, but I, and I think working in this large of a sandbox, there are a lot of you know sacrifices you have to make to kind of appease a lot of different you know cooks in the kitchen. And with that said, I think I think there's a you know a good, for a man that's making his second major motion picture, I give a lot of credit to that. You know, it's not unusual to give huge budget films to guys who had very small indie successes. For sure. And the reason for that is is that they know a guy who has never had a big budget like that will be freaking out about it the entire time, whereas a guy yeah. who's had a big success is going to walk in and spend whatever the hell he wants because he has that big success backing him up. Mm-hmm. So it's Peter Jackson. I mean, when they gave him Lord of the Rings, he'd only made a couple of little tiny indie films. And then he went on to make King Kong, which he pretty much spent the bank on, a film that has its moments but certainly doesn't have the same level of care and and uh, detail that you find in the Lord of the Rings films when he was very scared of having that kind of budget. I love King Kong, and I love it more than Lord of the Rings films. Well, all right. <laughs> <laughs> One thing you brought up, Aaron, is uh, Aaron Newworth, is the, the fun factor. And honestly, I, I didn't have that much fun with it. Um, and that's one of the things that I was disappointed with. Yeah, the monster fights were cool, and they were uh, somewhat short-lived. But I'm curious what you're expecting, because you saw the trailers. You saw the kind of serious take they're going with it. Yeah, you say you want to have a lot of fun with it. Like, where were you like at when you were wanting to get that, into this movie? I didn't actually think about the trailers when I when I watched the, the film. Um, I did, yeah. yeah but you, you know what you were, prepared, you were prepared for, something in a certain way. Yeah, I was, and I, I don't know really what I was prepared for. I think I was prepared for a, a, a total destruction film, but at the same time, I thought of uh, how harsh, not harsh, but how I wasn't the on the panel during that time, I wasn't the greatest uh, of Pacific Rim, and I was like, yeah, I can see the merit of that film now, where it's just like goofball fun, and this one was uh, going for that deeper, darker tone, and maybe I just didn't... It just didn't click with me. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Like Pacific Rim is more of a, it's a colorful comic book movie. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. And this is a disaster film. Like that's, they're, they're, they're just, I see where the comparison comes from. I don't know, it's, I'm not saying it's not a valid one at all, mm-hmm. but it's like I, Pacific Rim has a very specific goal in mind, I think, in terms of w- how it's trying to entertain you and why it's bright and colorful and candy colored and fun in, in its own way. And I think Godzilla is doing something on a different level where it's, it's treating the situation seriously because 
I mean, it's grounded in a certain level of reality, and it's telling things from mostly a human perspective. But it finds a way to, for me, it found a way to balance that, like, there's a giant monster here, and most of us are scared of that, with the idea of seeing giant monsters battling each other in a real world, yet somehow having that be entertaining based on the cuts being made and what we see of certain events and how well, we take them in. It was cool that that, I mean, I liked what they did towards the end when they're having that big fight, and we don't really see a lot of it, and we're focused on this small event that's taking place with the soldiers. I mean, that that sort of choice was cool and was unique. Um, but you look at disaster films, you know, uh, the the most of them are, are I do not enjoy because they're so swept up in the violence that they don't take into account how it affects the people. Um, you know, you look at 2012 and... Even the day after tomorrow, I know Roland Emmerich is like the king of disasters. But then, you know, Independence Day, I cared about that movie because I there were charismatic actors at the helm of it, and I cared about who their characters were. And it, I, I'm not denying that this is a fun film and that there's a lot of dark stuff going on in it and that it was made well. But if I, if, if, if I walk into a movie and I sit down and I don't care about a single person in it, I'm, I, you know, I'm not going to enjoy it as much as if I walked in and had someone to latch onto. I almost latched onto Godzilla, and I would have been okay with having him be the thing that I connected with in the movie, but he's on screen for 35 minutes. Yeah, that was my take on things as well, because essentially, what the movie reminded me of was that if you've ever read the comic series Marvels, where the whole thing is told from the point of view of a reporter. Mm-hmm. who's lived through all these major superhero events in the Marvel Universe. But we cared about that character. He was interesting. He was deep. Following his life, a very small kind of window on what it was like to live through all these enormous things happening around him, I think that was the attempt in Godzilla. But the character that we started with was the most interesting one. And when we got to the other characters... They weren't interesting, and they were really vanilla and not written well and didn't really have anything to do. I mean, I do appreciate the fact that you're the main soldier guy. I don't know the actor's name. I mean, you've mentioned it a couple times, but uh, he, he does have a pivotal role to play in defeating the monsters. But all the old Godzilla movies, the, the humans have something important to do. They have something that they definitely have to accomplish, and that's when a lot of other cool stuff came in, particularly when they're trying to fight the monsters with some of the cool science fictional stuff they had in the uh, 60s movies. But here they're fighting the monsters with machine guns. You know, it it just doesn't have that wow factor that we're expecting. It doesn't, you know, Watanabe should have had something to do. Uh, He should have come up with more than just the one tagline he's got. The dialogue was really flat throughout most of the film. There wasn't a lot of interesting to be said. Uh, the characters were just cardboard. And and if you're going to show it from a human perspective, as, as Aaron said, the humans have to be interesting. And they weren't. And you, there are just some scenes were just so... so vanilla, too. Like, the, the whole... The train sequence was cool, but... As soon as it's nighttime and you see the train, 
and you hear the the train noise, I already knew what was going to happen in the rest of that sequence. And, you know, it, then it just takes it out of it. They're shooting, yeah, they're shooting machine guns at a giant monster. Like, how do you expect that to do anything? Especially considering that, you know, these these monsters destroy cities and, thou- hundred, you know, tens of thousands of people just by standing up. Just by getting out of the water. I mean, it's a reaction versus nothing. Like you get, like, there's nothing else to do, and it's the first time they're encountering these kind of monsters. Like they have no, yeah. they have no prep. They have no, they have nothing else to counter this with besides standing around and saying, "Man, that's big." Like, what, what else are they <laughs> gonna do in this situation? Well, yeah. I also, if you notice the first kind of monster scene you fight, I thought it was an interesting idea to kind of just happen on a news broadcast. Mm-hmm. But then I wanted to see the rest of it. Right. You know, they should have the shown the destruction of Vegas. They should have shown Las Vegas being destroyed, not just yeah. like two yeah. seconds of it. I like the I like those decisions though, because I feel like you just get overwhelmed with seeing, oh, another city gets destroyed. I feel like that'd be the reaction. I think that's the counter. Yeah, yeah. and on that I do agree. I've seen those movies. I've seen yeah. movies where the city no, get no, destroyed. No, no, no. I know, and the restraint is nice. I agree, but there's there's just opportunities that they could have expanded upon that it seems like they didn't, and I don't know if it was specifically for the reason of restraint all the time. Well, even the, even the fights, there, there's one scene, I won't give it away, but there's one, the only scene where the audience I saw it with seemed to wake up is very much towards the end where Godzilla gets tricky. And that, the original movies were full of scenes like that, where there were interesting ways they were fighting. Here, it, it was just very flat. The, the fights weren't very inspired. There wasn't a lot of, interesting ways of staging the fights. I and mean, one of the reasons why Captain America 2 worked as well as it did is that a lot of the fight scenes looked like real fight scenes. They they were inventive. They were staged well. They weren't the typical, let's have you all fly all over the room on wires, that you know, defying physics. Well, these monster fight scenes were not staged in very interesting ways. They were mostly just this jump on each other, and that was pretty much it. Until you get to the end in that one scene where they thought of this, and it was really great. The whole audience woke up and cheered, but it was the only moment of excitement in, in the audience I saw it with at all. I mean, I can't take into account to like how you interpret the fights versus what I did. I mean, there's nothing to argue there besides just I disagree. But like, I mean, the, the audience cheered six times in my theaters when I saw the movie the first time. It, it was very, it was very exciting. <laughs> I was watching it the whole time. It was, but I mean, I, I, I appreciated the the way money shots were set up and how they delivered on. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, I had like two cheers, and it was at the end. I I was laughing like as soon as they started talking about Yucca Mountain because I'm from Las Vegas. I'm like, oh no, they didn't they didn't put that monster <laughs> Yucca Mountain. You gotta be you gotta be kidding me. And then cut to sign of Yucca Mountain. <laughs> like I was like, yeah. One of the things I loved about that scene is like they're all like, uh, all right guys, we gotta go find which uh, which room that there was a monster that came out of, and then. <laughs> They zoom out, and it's like this giant hole in the mountains. Like, you, you guys flew in on helicopters. Did you guys yeah, see how this? how did you not giant... notice this? They flew in from the other side. <laughs> <laughs> they flew from the east, and it was on the west, yeah. So. Oh. yeah the walkie-talkies are working. like, guys, I know where it is. Wait, you got, what? 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 I know where it is. Like, just open this door. Like, okay. Too deep in the mountains. All right. And if, and if that's, you know, why didn't the monster stay there, if that's the main food source, and call the female there? Isn't there plenty for the children? Things left unknown. <laughs> what, maybe it was properly fed? They maybe. needed a water source. That's why the love sandwiches go. Relationships are about communication. <laughs> <laughs> 
and, and, and meeting in the middle on things. And that's what they did. And nuclear egg sacks. That's what they did. They met in the middle. I don't know if you guys know this, but Aaron is a trained family and love specialist. So. That's a weird two words to tie together, Abe. Thank yeah, you for that. Know. Family and love specialist. What does that mean? Family <laughs> therapist and love specialist. I don't know. Time, time to sleep later on. <laughs> get some rest. <laughs> let's, uh, let's get away from that. Let's get to our rating for the film. Um, uh, here's another change. No more scale. No more scale on these uh, ratings. I'm just going to ask you a straight question. You're going to answer it. When should people see this movie? Aaron. Uh, oh, God. Go, just just go see it whenever you want. I mean, sooner rather than later, go see it in the theater. Robert? I definitely think in the theater, but I wouldn't take a kid under the age of 10 or 11. I think he'll be bored because he won't care about the characters. He won't understand the human issue, and there isn't enough monster stuff to keep a young child interested. Abe? You can definitely wait. I think you can wait a few weeks, catch it sometime later. Yeah, I say go see it in IMAX. Have a lot of fun. Yeah, I agree with you. Just just see it in the loudest, biggest way possible. The sound design is excellent in this movie. Yes, it is. And the score from Alexander Desplat is actually fantastic as well. It does a good job of... pronounced Desplat. Desplat. Uh, <laughs> it does a good job of bringing the tone together, I think, for what it's trying to do. In my eyes, that's how I took the score. Seamus McGarvey is also a boss. Yeah, for the cinematography. Yeah. All right, let's move on. Let's get the movie Callback. Call back, call back, call back. This is where we discuss a few films that we might have been reminded of during or after the feature. Uh, with that in mind, start with uh, Robert. Any movies come to any specific movies come into mind? Watching Godzilla. Well, I was watching Godzilla. Yeah. Um, I, I just think that we're living in a golden age of technical effects with, you know, CGI and cinematography is almost astounding in almost every film uh, that you see. That it's just the bag of tricks is just so enormous. Um, I was thinking a lot about Man of Steel with the kind of disaster porn that was going on, the constant destruction, um, which made me very angry in that movie because Superman wasn't saving the people he should have been saving. But here it was like it fit. It was well done. Um, I did think a lot of the old Godzilla movies, and I think that's one of the reasons why I could tell they were pointing at it. As I said earlier, the costumes are definitely designed to where they look humanoid. They could have been worn by people. I think that was deliberate to make them look like the old monsters to where they had hands and they had legs and and like human beings did um, to where there could have been a man in that costume. And I just think they were trying to pull off the original Godzilla film and then pulling off the series in the 60s. I think they pretty much ignored everything that happened since then. But I think that's one of the reasons why I didn't find it to be as much fun as I was hoping it would be because the things that made me enjoy the films in the first place weren't really there this time. Um, but I, I do think it it's a film that's trying to do what Christopher Nolan did with Batman, uh, which is to try to show a realistic version of what would actually happen should hmm. something like this show up. And so those are the kind of films I was thinking about. Aaron? Yeah, you took the words out of my mouth. I was thinking of the, the Nolanification of uh, film in the last few years, you know, I, I was reminded of Man of Steel and Batman and all that stuff. Uh, obviously, I was thinking of the Roland Emmerich film and how much <laughs> more uh, better this one was uh, because, you know, it's just 
oh, so much camp in that other one. But I also thought about Spielberg. I thought about Jaws. I thought about, uh, you know, any, any of the, like Alien, you know, when, when you just, you're just waiting, you're just waiting, you're just waiting to, to see that big reveal. Um, I, yeah, that's it. I'll just, I'll leave it at that. Abe? Uh, Charlotte Pacific Rim, also Super 8, um, and you guys mentioned this before, but also Jaws. Those are my three that I called back. Oh, yeah, Super 8 for sure. Uh, I, I thought of Super 8 just because that movie's trying so hard to be a Spielberg film, and I felt Godzilla was more successful in capturing some of the essence of a Spielberg film, and it made me like it more. Um, Ooh, we're going to have a fight about that. <laughs> I love that movie. He was on set. He was there. He it, had a stamp on it. it <laughs> it's good. I just, you know, it's fine. It's, Hit it's me not, in the uh, feels. Maybe. I don't know. My, you know, my mom was dying, so I, I guess maybe that's why. I was like, oh, he's got to deal with mom stuff. Me too. Oh. <laughs> I enjoyed Cloverfield more, as far as JJ monster movies go. Really? Okay. Um, Jaws, Alien, Jurassic Park, The Host came to mind too because I love oh, the, the Host. host. Love mm-hmm. the Host. Mm-hmm. The remake or the uh, the Korean. There is no remake. <laughs> the remake was yeah. Saoirse Ronan. It's, yeah. <laughs> she played the monster. It was great. She's the monster with she changing eyes. Monster. You know, it's interesting you guys all reference Jaws, and I hadn't really thought about that, but you're right. That's a film where the main monster doesn't really show up until the very end for yeah. the most part. But what's missing is those human touches, that little scene with uh but with uh, the sheriff and his son sitting there and the son is doing the same thing he's doing and uh, the little scene about, you know, get out of the boat and all the little character touches. The best part of Jaws is that scene where they're talking about the Indianapolis and Robert Shaw's talking about the sharks all eating his crewmen and they're all comparing scars and stuff. There's no equivalent to that. There's no equivalent to that. No, because, I mean, Godzilla's pretty, it's not a classic. I mean, well, okay, I, but if you want to be like Spielberg, I, I that's I, the kind of stuff you have to do. I know what yes. you're saying, and I can, I again, I agree that the character stuff isn't amazing in Godzilla, but I, I'm not, also, I'm also not going to deny it that there's not a, there's not an attempt to do it. I, I do think there's more to the characters than you guys are giving credit to. They're not the deepest of things, but I do enjoy some of the things that they brought to it. I'll have to see the film again because I missed <laughs> that completely. <laughs> you're too nice. That was, that was a movie callback. Oh, callback, callback, callback. Go to our sponsor. Um, each uh, Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com, where you can get a free audiobook download at www.audibletrial.com. So now podcast, where there are over 150,000 titles to choose from for your Android, iPhone, Kindle, or any kind of MP3 player. For you, the listeners of Out Now, Theron, and Abe, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. Abe, do you have a book to recommend? I do. It's one that I recommended before, but talking about uh, monsters and humans getting along, it's Dealing with Dragons by Patricia C. Reed. Uh, it's also a part of a series, so I think it's a trilogy, uh, but it's more magical and fantastical. But it's a fun book, and I, I read it when I was uh, in elementary school, and I, if I could find a copy of it at the public library, I probably would just sit down and read it there, too. Or you can download a free audiobook of that version Absolutely. of that book at audibletrialthecouncil.podcast. You can uh, download that. You could check out the service for a good month. If you don't like it, you can get rid of the service, but you get to keep the download that you got for free. There you go. There you go. Who doesn't win? What a deal! <laughs> that was a deal. <laughs> Thanks, Jimmy. <laughs> Let's uh, get to now feedback. Feedback! This is where we go over some of the various listener responses. We got to a number of questions we asked on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash now podcast. And with that, Abe, let's, uh, let's go into it. 
Certainly, yeah. First question is, does anyone have any favorite movies they'd like to share? Which is, of course, referencing our previous week's episode. Yeah, about the 150th and just fun stuff. Jim Dietz has, uh, I'll name a few lesser-known movies that I love. Waking Life, Over the Edge, Fade to Black, Get Crazy, Jiro Dreams of Sushi, Outland. Uh, Ryan writes The Big Lebowski. Jason has Anchorman, The Legend of Ron Burgundy, The Expendables 2, <laughs> Tropic Thunder, Machete, The Dark Knight, and The Avengers. George has Castle uh, Castle of uh, Cagliostro. Yeah. I believe that's how it's pronounced. Yeah, you got it. It's uh, Hayao Miyazaki's first film, as George notes. Bob writes There Will Be Blood, Inglorious Bastards, Fargo, and The Godfather. Never heard of him. <laughs> I think Fargo is on a, it's on Cartoon Network, right? Yeah, yeah. It's after Johnny Bravo. <laughs> <laughs> Mike writes Corvette Summer, Eddie and the Cruisers, The Descent, Dragon Tiger Gate. The Descent, yes. It's crazy. <laughs> Tyler writes Battle Royale, The Passion of Joan of Arc, The Life and Death of Colonel Blimp, Cabin in the Woods, Kiss Me Deadly, Peppermint Candy, Stealing Harvard, and Brazil. Okay, Stealing Harvard somehow snuck in there. It's <laughs> a movie that has the passion of Joan of Arc and the life and death of Colonel Blimp. Also, Tom Green and Jason Lee in Stealing Harvard. <laughs> hey, man, everyone has a range of films. Right? I know, I like it. I like, that's hilarious to me. Oh, my God. And lastly, Matthew Marks writes, in no particular order, Star Wars, all of them. Yes, all of them. Finding Nemo, Shawshank Redemption, Indiana Jones, especially The Last Crusade, Avengers, no, not the Uma Thurman one, um, and lastly, <laughs> The Princess Bride. I'm sure there's oh. lots of confusion every time he says The Avengers is one of his favorite right. movies. Like, what, the one with Uma Thurman and Ralph Ray Fiennes? It's like us Ray saying, uh, which host movie did you like better? Yeah, yeah no one's asking yet. No, <laughs> no one. It's is, the Korean one. Is there a favorite Godzilla challenger or potential challenger you have or would like to see? Jason has Godzilla versus Sharknado. That'd be amazing. <laughs> Uh, why not Godzilla versus a tornado to make Godzilla Nalo? Oh, Aaron, this is gold. Uh, Jeff has Gypsy Danger. Mike has either Pacific Rim mashup for Godzilla, Godzilla 2 with Mecha Godzilla would be great. Love Mecha Godzilla. He loves Mecha Godzilla. He's posted that number numerous times on our page, actually. Uh, and then Jason has Godzilla versus Kick-Ass. That'd but be you impressive. You know what? You know what needs to be on that list? What? The Incredible Hulk. Yeah. <laughs> Like, seriously, I was talking with somebody about this. If he just keeps getting angrier and stronger like that, bigger. that could work, yeah. I like it. Yeah. Next question. Well, you know, Marvel, Marvel had a Godzilla series back in the late 70s, early 80s, where Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., S.H.I.E.L.D. was Godzilla's main opponent. <laughs> so I'm sensing a new crossover series coming up soon. Oh, that oh made me gosh. like the ABC show way more. Yeah, like, oh, no. Listen to our show, ABC. Oh, no. How dare you, you bastard. <laughs> that show is good. It is, isn't it? I, they've gotten much better after it, Yeah, it ended better than out. it started. I can agree, I agree. with that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. No, the first six episodes were pretty Did Clark Gregg get I'd, his card signed? I'd, I'd go way more. <laughs> no, the, well, the, show okay. doesn't, the show doesn't care enough about you know having big people. Damn it! Okay. Yeah. Mm. Next question we have is, Giant Monsters should have multiple what? Fill in the blank. Uh, Liz writes, laser beams shooting from their eyes. Yes. <laughs> Brad writes, Tails, extra whipping power for tanks and helicopters. And Philip has income streams in their retirement plan. Should it be all? <laughs> yes. 
Think about retirement, folks. It's coming up faster than you think. That's the best oh answer. God. Don't remind me. Yeah, what? please don't remind me. I'm a lot closer to than you guys are. <laughs> Aaron's actually 84. <laughs> yes, I just have a very young voice. But very spry. Yeah. He's, he's Benjamin Button. No, he's, he's, yeah, he's Benjamin Button meets that Six Flags old guy. Yes, please don't make that the Godzilla sequel. But he's just facing off against the guy from Six Flags. Like, damn. I'd dance you to death, you giant lizard, you. What does Godzilla do when he's not stomping around cities after hours? Mike has he enters swimming competitions with the U.S. Navy ships. <laughs> Scott has bongs out under the sea with SpongeBob SquarePants. <laughs> oh my god, I'm sorry, I'm laughing too much. <laughs> Brad has, he looks for Roland Emmerich so he can eat away the chance for any more terrible remakes. There you go. Jason has, he binge-watches 24, Breaking Bad, Sherlock, and House of Cards, U.S. version. <laughs> that is his U.S. version at the end. <laughs> Just to be sure. Oh, God. Lots Godzilla of yelling. doesn't respect the English version. Lots of, lots of anger in those shows. <laughs> Godzilla's very angry. It's not a typhoon. <laughs> and then we had some questions. Uh, Jason asked us, "What do you think of Expendables three being rated PG thirteen instead of R?" That won't happen. So whatever, don't care. I really hope it doesn't. Yeah, well, I, that... No, the same thing happened for the first two, and then he puts digital blood in, and it becomes worse because of it. But he gives in, so it doesn't matter. Who cares? Oh, Next God. question. <laughs> uh, Tyler asks, "Will Godzilla get a sequel? And if so, will it be good?" Well, based on the ninety-three million dollar opening this weekend and the confirmation from Warner Brothers that a sequel is in development, yes. Will it be good? Maybe. Who knows? Yeah. Who knows? Next question is from Jason. Do you think Johnny Depp is finished? That's Probably actually, not. That's in reference to Transcendence just bombing at the box office. I don't think so. I think it's yeah, just more of a, whatever. He's like, got Whitey Bulger film coming up, and uh, probably not. No, I, I think I think the biggest one of the biggest movie stars in the world is probably going to make a movie that's pretty big eventually again. Mark Hoban then asks, of course you can enjoy both, but which is better and why, Pacific Rim or Godzilla? I'd say Pacific Rim, probably just for the the camp and the uh, the creature design is actually very well done in in uh, Pacific Rim. Um, I would say if I had to leap to one first in terms of like they're both in front of me, which one do I watch? I would probably say Pacific Rim because it does have more of a colorful campness to it that's just easy to enjoy. Um, I would say Godzilla is a better movie overall if I had to you know decipher between the filmmaking involved in both movies. Mm. So yeah, that was that enough feedback. Feedback, feedback, feedback. Hey, but what what uh what time is it? Oh, Aaron, I think that it's time for uh some long-awaited games. You sir have made Alexander Desplat very proud. But I did. I have a There's game. There's not a huh at the end. It's a T, damn it. <laughs> He's not French. He is French, but T's aren't pronounced like has, like it's Hanukkah. I, I'm saying just blast. That's what I'm, I don't know. Just like Klingon. It is time for games, and I do have a game for you guys to play. It is called Monster Mash. They did the mash. It was yes. the Monster Mash. Yes. It was a graveyard smash. It's a long oh, title so for happy. one game. That um, is a great game. Basically, I'm going to describe a monster uh, from a movie, and you're going to have to name either the monster or said movie. Preferably okay. the monster, because some of these are really more technical. But whatever, right, let's, here we go. Okay. This monster a, has... What? Sorry. What? Oh, like a, what? Sorry, is this like a buzz-in situation? Yes, it is. Off? Yes, thank you. I was about to say, yes. You, you will have to buzz in, so if you know the answer, say your name first, as if you're buzzing in, and then say the answer. 
Thank you. Okie dokie. Okay. I take games very seriously. Good. You should, because this is important. <laughs> you might not be able to come back to the podcast. Oh God! Well, I have. I, I, I don't think I could have said that games. any straighter than I just did. <laughs> I, I know. I'm really scared now. I've won a couple games, so maybe that's why I've been coming back. Well, here we go. Here's the first monster. Two arms, scaly, generally leaves a lot of wreckage behind. Bad breath. Robert. Godzilla. Godzilla is the correct answer. Robert, you're on the board. God, it's so obvious. I know. <laughs> you. Here's the next one. Two eyes, multiple limbs. Likes to live pretty deep. Has a beak. Robert, the Kraken. The Kraken is the correct answer. Ah. Also acceptable, giant squid from 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. Nice. Here's the next one. No eyes, two mouths, acid for blood. Fink. Abe. Fink. Oh, Fink at it. That would be the uh, the alien from the Aliens franchise. I'll give I you that there's, one. There's, there's a technical term. There is. Who knows that technical term? I believe that it's called a uh, a necromancer. That's from Dead Space. That's <laughs> necromorph. A necromorph <laughs> is from Dead Space. A necromancer uh, is a, kind a, of a wizard. The xenomorph. xenomorph is the correct xenomorph. answer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Here's the next one. Six limbs needs more than a magnifying glass to dispose of. <laughs> All right, it's not right, but I'm gonna say it. Think. Yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> Motaro from the Mortal Kombat films. <laughs> That's not right, but I like the enthusiasm. Yeah. <laughs> Robert? Uh, the Black Scorpion from the 50s? <sighs> That's not right. The answer was giant irradiated ants from them! Exclamation point. Uh-huh. Yeah. The giant ants. Big damn ants. The magnifying glass crack was the... Was the Probably. That was right. the hint, yes. Yeah, I should have gotten that one. Here's the next one. Three heads, two wings, two tails. Robert, huh? King Ghidorah. King Ghidorah is the correct answer. Which way is that just called Godzilla versus King Ghidorah, or is it called something else? Uh, I think it's Destroy All Monsters, but he's in a couple of them. Yeah, yeah. Here's the next one. Enough heads, quite the labor to dispatch of. Robert, that's the uh, Hydra. It is the height. Robert's killing it on this. Robert is, yeah. Uh, Know who's not on the board? Abe. Abe. (laughs) (laughs) I'm in Taiwan time. I love that show, Taiwan time. (laughs) Where are my pants? So next one. Two black eyes, large teeth, takes on boats of any size. Two black eyes, large teeth. Abe. Yes? Free Willy. (laughs) (laughs) Anyone else with a good answer? Uh, Robert, Jaws. Yeah. Jaws is the correct answer. <laughs> one of the easiest ones, I thought, but okay, moving on. <laughs> Here's the next one. No eyes, many mouths, no arms, hates bacon. <laughs> I feel like you're softballing this one. I am. <laughs> hates bacon, I think? Yeah. The Sarlacc pit? <laughs> nope. <laughs> no eyes, many mouths, sorry, there's one mouth, no arms, Hates bacon. Think 90s. I'm just thinking some bad actor in some film was being too much of a ham, but I can't think of which one you mean. Maybe. Oh, 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 oh. Two. Is Come it on, Fink. Fink, uh, can I go again? Is that okay? I guess so. Is that uh, the monster from, um, shoot, Sli- Slither? The no, Kimble- okay. Or Tremors, 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 Tremors. It is Tremors, Tremors. yes. Yeah. Graboids. <laughs> I didn't remember the name. Bacon. bacon, Kevin Bacon. Kevin Bacon. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
You said ham I it up. Right. I thought John Ham. Hamm- He's hammy acting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you said ham ham it up, and I was like, John Ham, million dollar arm. <laughs> yeah, Alan Arkin was a monster in that movie. Um, <laughs> one eye, hungry, tall. Uh, Robert. Yep. The Cyclops. The Cyclops. Correct answer. God, they're just. I and I'm. Fi- I'm just second guessing myself. This is yeah, terrible. me too. Here's the next one. This one might be exclusively for Robert. Allison Hayes. You've lost me completely. All right. <laughs> I'll say tall, female. Oh, Abe. Robert. Abe. Abe. I heard Abe. Fifty foot woman. Fifty foot woman is the correct answer. Yes. Attack of the fifty foot woman. <laughs> there you go. Boom! I didn't say fifty fifty one foot woman. The answer I wrote down is actually fifty foot woman. So you got Boom. it right. <laughs> Redone I'm by the boy. Here's the next one. Two more. Two arms. Harry, fan of climbing. Fink. Yep. King, mother flippin' con. That is the correct answer. Mother flippin' was part of the answer. I wrote that. Yeah, I wrote that. Yeah. Yeah. I saw that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I didn't see it. I wrote It's because uh, we both asterisk. have the same name and we're the same name and we're Jews. Yep. We just we have brains are <laughs> interconnected. Exactly. We're uh, we're actually we're we're um we're sharing the mind right now just like in Pacific Rim. Um <laughs> <laughs> Last one. Two arms, short arms, likes goats. Think. Yep. That would be the T-Rex from Jurassic Park. That is the correct answer. Woo! Oh, man, this just got tighter. Now i got to add these up here. Let's see. Oh. I know who didn't win. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Taiwan. <laughs> All right. So Abe comes in third place, of course, with his one answer. Aaron Fink comes in second place, and Robert James is the winner of ba, Monster ba, Mash. Ba, 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 ba. They did the match. Ooh. It was the Monster Mash. It was a great Monster Mash. <laughs> That's how we play Monster Mash. Great job. Good job. Good job, yeah. guys. You both get to come back on the podcast eventually. Yes. <gasps> Abe's still a question mark. Yeah, qu- questionable. Yeah. I can find another Abe. <laughs> Round now, there an Abe. <laughs> there are a lot. I hear Lincoln's still available. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, he's oh, cool. No, I can't do it. Uh, let's do it on Out, out Now Presents What's Out Now. These are new movies coming out on Blu-ray and DVD this week, and streaming this week. A uh, number of movies, actually. Uh, some of them, okay. Uh, the Monuments Men. <laughs> Didn't uh, see it. Three Days to Kill. <laughs> Pompeii 3D, <laughs> which I kind of liked, actually. I thought oh, it, was, okay. it wasn't terrible. Like, Didn't see it. It wasn't terrible. Well, if Aaron says it's okay. Wasn't terrible. <laughs> Vampire Academy, which was terrible. <laughs> but half the people that wrote Mean Girls wrote it. Yeah. And About Last Night, which I liked quite a bit, actually. That was what was that one about? That was one of Kevin Hart and uh, Michael oh, Gilly oh. and Regina Hall. Yeah, and... Oh, you did like that dear. One quite a bit. Yeah. I did. Cool. It was a good movie to see on Valentine's Day. Enjoyed it. That's what's out now. Let's go on to next week's show. Next week, we're talking about X-Men Days of Future Past, or DOF. This is, of course, the latest X-Men film, and that's what we're going to talk about next week. Nothing else to go over, because we're not doing box office anymore. So (laughs) I'm sure it will be big. uh, You You can't see it, but I'm I'm, I'm doing two thumbs up right now, you know, in terms of it'll be big. You guys excited about X-Men Days of Future Past? Well, I'm excited to see more Michael Fassbender. No penis, though. Thanks, Abe. I yeah I'm excited I'm I mean I'm not the hugest fan I liked First Class uh, a lot all things considered um, yeah I'm stoked I'm seeing it in two days Robert were you a fan of the X Men comics uh, very much so and uh, had a huge collection at one point um, but uh, 
I like X-Men First Class very much, much more than the other X-Men films, so I am looking forward to this one. I'm hoping they can achieve the same level of uh, nostalgia and, uh, as well as uh, new invention on it. And Days of Future Past being one of the classic um, plot lines from the uh, Chris Claremont, John Byrne series. It's funny, I was reading Days of Future Past, the the comic, just to revisit it, because I haven't read it in a long time. And, like, the story is solid, the themes are there and everything, the dialogue isn't great in that comic series. So, I, I, I mean, it can improve on that. So I'm, I'm curious to see how it takes that story and makes it kind of work in a film. But we'll see. I'm excited for it. I mean, it's got a, yeah. it's got a big cast. That doesn't necessarily translate to best X-Men movie, but we'll see. We'll see how it works. But, uh, yeah, I do enjoy a lot of the actors in various mutants roles, so we'll see how that goes. But that is going to do it for this week's episode of Out Now with Aaron and Abe. You can find more of my work on my personal blog, thecodazeek.com, where you can find all my written movie reviews, as well as at whysoblue.com for all my Blu-ray reviews. And you can also find me at twitter.com slash Aaron's PS4. Abe? You can find more fun stuff at walrusmoose.blogspot.com and twitter.com slash walrusmoose, hashtag Veep. Aaron Fink, where can people find more of your work? Well, you can head on to uh, Hulu.com slash it. You can go to YouTube.com slash Reviews, Or you can check your local PBS listings on the Internet and find us on PBS. Robert James. Uh, you can find me at rjameswho1.wordpress.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at rjameswho1. com. If you just type in the words who won. Uh, you'll find my first two books available, as, and the third one should be out this July. Great. You can find all the other episodes of Out Now with Aaron and Abe on iTunes and at Stitcher, as well as at hhwlod.com. That is the podcast network that hosts our site, our show, along with other great shows like The Walking Dead TV Podcast, The Long Box of Doom, and, of course, 24, The Jack and Chloe Adventure Cast, a podcast that I host with my friends Brandon and Maxwell to talk about every new episode of 24. Yes, all the time. I believe that it's also uh, pronounced 24. No, it's not. No. <laughs> you can find our episodes over at outnow.podomatic.com as well as youtube.com slash outnowpodcast. Feel free to email us at outnowpodcast at gmail.com. Let us know your thoughts on giant lizard movies and Godzilla if you feel like it. And you can also find us over at facebook.com slash outnowpodcast where you can write us and we'll read your comments or you can interact with us in general. And also twitter.com slash outnow underscore podcast. And lastly, outnowpodcast.tumblr.com. You can follow us there, and feel free to use our voicemail line, 972-798-3830. You can send us an audio message and show us your thoughts on Godzilla or whatever. We might be able to play it on the show, and that'd be fun, right? right? If you do your best Godzilla impersonation, we'll have to put it on the Oh, my show. God, yeah. If we got Godzilla impersonations <laughs> on the show, it'd be amazing. <laughs> but, yeah, with all that said, thank you, Robert James and Aaron Fink, for joining us today to talk Godzilla and more. Thank you very much for having us. Agreed. Yeah, always a fun time. And I guess that's it. That's it. And then next time yeah. we talk, yeah, we got X Men coming up. So that, there's a Memorial Day and a half right there. So until next time, so long and goodbye.
and the score from Alexander Desplat is actually fantastic as well. It does a good job. It's pronounced Desplat. Desplat. Uh, Desplat. 